Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Just um, as we were worshiping there, I was just reminded of um, Connor was sharing on Acts 17 during the week on our Zoom Bible studies. Encourage you to, to um, go and um, be with us on those times. Um, but I was just remembering how um, when Paul was sharing with the noble Bereans, um, and just to say this, in verse uh, seventeen, uh, chapter 17, verse 11, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to, to see if these things were so. And many of them therefore believed. And uh, just as we were worshiping there, I just, um, just felt to just pray that over us. Um, as the noble Bereans and to trust the Lord that today we're all noble Bereans who uh, love the word of God. And as we examine the word of God daily to find out if these things are so, um, it's uh, wonderful that I get the opportunity this morning to share with you the word. Um, but it's up to every single one of us to um, examine the word daily and to look to our hearts and to see if these things are so and to let them uh, captivate, capture our hearts and um, Bring the, the freedom. Um, when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. So bring the freedom that God wants us to have um, through his word. His word is living. It's active. Um, it's, it's alive. Um, his name is Jesus. And uh, he wants to have that uh, freedom in our lives. So as I share today, some of these things might um, challenge your hearts. Um, but um, hopefully uh, you'll examine the scriptures and and find out um, the truth that can that can set you free. Amen. So, Lord, we just lift up every single person here right now um, as we come to your word, Lord, your beautiful word, Lord, as we come to look at the scriptures, as we come to look at you, Jesus, as we come to gaze on you, uh, ask, Lord God, that you would help us to see and to know you more today and allow that, Lord, to change and transform our hearts and lives so that we can be and walk in more of what you've called us to in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So just be encouraged this morning. Um, I, was, I, I just wanted to start off by maybe just um, encouraging us and stirring our hearts as 24-7 Church. Um, had a lot of, uh, of people just um, being challenged in these days that we're living in and being challenged by the word that's come forth out of 24-7 and certainly uh, the passion for the nations, uh, for the uh, 1040 window, all those different countries um, and being challenged by where they fit and how I can, um, you know, uh, do my part in all of this thing. And I don't know, you know, for some of the elderly, maybe, you 70 or 80 years old wondering how I fit into this thing and going to the nations for, for the kids, how do my kids fit into this? Um, for others that maybe just don't feel they uh, kind of have that mandate or calling over their lives or I, I don't know if I ever can be a Paul. Um, all these questions, um, I think um, I, I want to try and just lay a platform and then, and then, and then share something this morning um, around what God's been saying to me. But can I just encourage every single one of you that we're a community of believers, 24-7 church, and we're out working the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe passionately in Jesus and all that he has called us to do. He is the head of his church. He is leading us as a body, and a body is made up of many different parts, 
Um, and, uh, and so I want us to know that, that today um, there is an understanding um, in the leadership's understanding in all our hearts uh, that there are many different parts. We're not all called to be a Paul uh, or a Silas, um, but we are called to be a witness. We are called to go. Um, and whatever that go looks like to you, we are called to just be obedient to the word of God and to what God is saying in our lives. Not everybody will go to um, different nations, uh, the 1040 window. Maybe people go down the road, across the street, across your office corridor. Um, but you are called to go. You are called to be open. And we're all called to be a witness. And we're called to share Jesus Christ. And we are called to love people. And it's why... Um, when we're passionate about the nations, what Connor keeps um, uh, sharing is that nations equals people. We're passionate about people. We love people. Um, wherever people are, we love them and we want them to hear the gospel. We want the light of God to come and to shine into their hearts. And uh, just to encourage every single one of us, I don't know, just because maybe the Euro 2021 is on at the moment and soccer is my passion. Um, you know, there is a team of players and every single one of them is called to score um, because they um, that's how you win a game. And that's the purpose of the game is to win the game and to score goals. Uh, but you do have specialists. You have a center forward. He's a specialist. That's what he does. His whole job is actually scoring goals, but every single other player can score goals and every single player is, is on the pitch to try and score goals. But every single player has different um, main uh, responsibilities and functions. So, for instance, if you're the fullback, first and foremost, you're called to defend and to make sure that um, that the winger or the opposition doesn't get past you. Um, but if you're up there and, you, and you're running down the wing and you cut in and you get an opportunity, you shoot and you can score, right? Um, so what I want to do is encourage us that just passionately as a church, we're called to bring the gospel to the unbelievers and to get them saved. Um, and um, but there is a whole body here that's working together and uh, just as powerful as Paul and Silas were in going and reaching into the nations and um, planting churches. They also returned back to those churches to strengthen them. So um, there must have been believers in those churches um, just as powerful as Paul and, and Silas and, and Barnabas was. We also have James who headed up the church in Jerusalem, which was just as powerful um, just as powerful as Paul and Silas and Barnabas are in Acts chapter 13, it's people like Niger and Lucius and Simeon um, uh, that were praying, Manaean, they were praying and set apart Paul and Silas. So there is so many beautiful parts here of the body that all work together and home base is vital for us to be to succeed and to do what God's called us to do out there. In, in the nations, right? So I want to stir up our hearts and say every single one of you have a vital part in home base and in going and in sending and in being the body in local church. Um, and we don't want the church to be motivated by the passion, say, of Connor for the Middle East and that everybody is then moved. We want you to be passionate about Jesus and, and what he's calling you to do. So, for instance, um, this is just. Again, all of this is loving. I'm not challenging anything. I'm just lovingly sharing some things as the as the pastor in, in or senior pastor or whatever you want to call me, a lead elder in 24-7 church. Um, just can I encourage you that it's powerful and wonderful that we have um, on Fridays prayer for the nations. Um, 
which was initiated by an elder who is passionate about nations and certainly even uh, prayer for Turkey, passionate about Turkey and the 1040 window. And as a church, we've adopted that. And that's what we're passionate about. And we believe we're going to be sending people to that region, which is so massive, 50 to 60 or plus countries in that area there. So huge mandate over us as a church. But I also want to encourage you as, as individuals that you can also put your hand up and have prayer for whatever you are passionate about during the week as well. You can have a prayer for North Riding or a prayer for the elderly or a prayer for um, business people and start that prayer and be passionate about it. And, and that can happen on one of the other days of the week. This isn't, um, um, you know, we, we're, a, we're, a, we're all encompassing body with the full counsel and gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I want to stir up your hearts to say whatever your passion has come, talk to us. Um, let's outwork it in the kingdom. Let's outwork it together. Um, we're all encouraging and strengthening the church, one another, and what God's called us to. Amen. So that's what I want to. I want to just um, encourage us and, and say um, you're all fit. Um, you don't have to be. You, you know, it's it's if you're an elbow, you don't have to try and be the knee. Um, it doesn't quite work. Um, the, 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 the knee is called to be the knee, you know, the elbow is called to be the elbow and the elbow is vital because it helps get more flexibility in the fingers reaching where they're called to do. So if the fingers are Paul and Silas, let me just say this, the elbow helps Paul and Silas reach further and to be able to be flexible to get to places where it couldn't get before. So just be the elbow, whatever God's called you to do, but be the elbow and the understanding that we're all trying to reach. Uh, the lost and nations and, and, and be flexible. Don't be the elbows sitting there uh, without uh, this revelation or understanding. Um, so just hopefully it helps people, stirs people up and um, be, be encouraged. Be, be motivated by the passion that's in your heart. I want us to be motivated by what I'm about to share now um, because I think it's, it's the gospel and, uh, and we're all motivated by the gospel, right? So I wonder if you can go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to start there. And then just lead into something that I've really just been stirred up over the last little while, even with God supernaturally and wonderfully providing a huge amount of finances, um, um, almost uh, as it were, kind of just by his beauty and his grace and his love for us as a church. Uh, I want us to make sure we understand and get the language right in what we're saying yes to. Um, and what we are, 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 are walking into as a yes people. Um, so if you've got your Bibles and you, you've gone to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's just read from verse, and it would be good if I have my glasses on. My eyes are not healed yet, but they are getting healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, let's just read, say, from verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing. So there's, there's unbelievers who have been blinded to this gospel. But they've been blinded from what? It's to keep them from seeing. So those that are born again, those that have given their lives to Jesus, have seen this. It's to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The light of the gospel 
So they're blinded to this light. But we as believers are not blinded. We have received and seen this light. This light has illuminated our hearts to what? It's illuminated our hearts um, the, to the glory of Christ. Woo! It's illuminated our hearts to the glory of Christ. For me, if your heart has not been illuminated to the glory of Christ, you're not born again. But every single born again believer has had the illumination of Christ, the light of God, illuminate the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So you can say we've been illuminated to the glory of Christ or to the glory of God, right? Verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now, why am I emphasizing this? Because the gospel, friends, when we receive the gospel, it illuminated and shone the light in our hearts of the glory of God. We have been captivated, consumed. We have encountered, we have seen the glory of God. What's the glory of God? It's his nature, who he is. It's his very being. It's his very essence. So as we've seen that, friends, we are captivated, controlled, um, consumed by his beauty, who he is, who God is. That's the illumination that's taken hold of our lives. So when the Bible says that we, we have been saved by grace through faith, what does it actually mean? We've been saved by grace. Well, saved by grace means you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, you didn't do anything for it. It's totally by God's grace that you and I have been saved. And then through faith, let me explain a little bit about faith. When we say faith, saved by faith, what is faith? Faith is a seeing and savoring of the glory of God in the gospel. See, when the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, it's a seeing, it says here, that the light of the gospel, right? It's a seeing. It's a seeing and it's a tasting of the glory of the Lord. So faith is seeing tasting, loving, treasuring, leaning on, delighting in Christ whom you've seen in the gospel. His life, his perfect life, his holiness, his righteousness, his death on the cross, his, his resurrection, his ascension. It's a, it's a, faith is a delight. It's seeing it's savoring, it's leaning on, it's loving, it's knowing this Jesus. Now, this is important because I want I want us to, to take this theme now, because I want you to I want you to, to also capture and, and, and I'd love for those who haven't gone on to, to be going back and looking at the book of Acts, to study the book of Acts, to see um, this being outworked as the gospel. It's, it will explain to you why a group of people, when they encountered Jesus Christ, 
were instantaneously and very quickly ready to die for him. This wasn't this long process of training and equipping and getting a whole bunch of understanding and knowledge. This was an instantaneous a place where suddenly um, to believe on Jesus Christ could cost you your life, and it did cost them their lives, but they were ready, ready to die for him, is because they saw him in his glory. In the glory of God, they saw who he was. They, they were captivated by him. Friends, it's a reason why we have such passive Christians in church today, or why we have people that are battling with uh, sin issues, and why we've got people that are, 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 are sitting there who's supposed to be born again, but it, you know, to motivate them needs a cracker up their backsides, um, is because the reality is, friends, that they have not seen They've not tasted and seen the glory of the Lord. They haven't seen the beauty. Uh, they haven't encountered Jesus Christ in all his beauty and splendor and who he is. That just captivates their hearts because it's from that place, friends, that everything else does flow. And so when we talk about the, the, the early church and we talk about Acts, friends, you must understand when we have these amazing um, um, stories shared to us about Paul and Silas, about uh, uh, two men who um, wanted to go here and the Holy Spirit said no, and then wanted to go there and the Holy Spirit said no. And then the Holy Spirit uh, gives them a, a dream where, and a vision which says you, you must go here. And then they go there, friends. And when they go there, friends, they share and do what God's called them to do. And they get whipped and beaten and thrown into jail. And when they're thrown into jail and they're whipped and beaten in their darkest and deepest hour at midnight, friends, they're lifting up their hands saying, Jesus, it's so awesome. You are worthy. We love you. We glorify your name. What a privilege to, for, to be the feet of him who brings good news to bring the news of God. Suddenly they stirred up friends and then God is just so captivated by their, their, their love for him. He just starts, uh, he stands up and starts to do a little jiggle and he starts to just stamp his feet and oops, he stamps his feet a little bit too hard. And when he's stamping and jumping up and down because he's so in love with his, 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 his people, um, the, the, the whole place starts to rock and the earth starts rocking and then, and the jailhouse is rocking and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and it's birthing songs, uh, crazy songs, and, and all things are happening. And all of this is going on. And when all of this is going on, shackles are falling off and the jail doors are opening. And, uh, and Paul and Silas are, 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 are not interested in being free and the shackles coming off. They're interested in the, the glory of Jesus Christ. They, they are consumed with who he is and his beauty and his love and his mandate. Friends, and his mandate is to, to, to love people. They're in love with him, and, and it's to love him and to love people. It's, it's to minister to him and to minister people. It's, there used to be all the tribes of Israel. One tribe was priests, friends, but now we're all priests. We're all a holy nation, a nation of priests, and priests' job is simply to, to love God and to love people. And that's, they were consumed with loving God and loving people, friends. Why? Because they were operating in faith. They were operating in faith. What is faith? Faith is a seeing and savoring of the glory of God. Faith is seeing, tasting, loving, treasuring, leaning on, delighting in Christ, um, whom we have seen in the gospel. They were consumed in love with Christ, and they were operating in faith. Friends, faith is not um, something 
that it's a tool or a currency that you get something from heaven that you that you use in order to get something faith friends is not does not come from the cerebral you cannot try harder to get faith faith comes from the heart you have to yield you have to yield more to to increase in faith and I'm not playing down faith I'm actually I'm actually emphasizing faith because without faith it's impossible to please God but I want you to understand friends as we journey as a church as God calls us to do certain things we are consumed with him and his beauty and his glory and we are following that whether we get COVID or don't get COVID friends does not change our faith. And it doesn't mean because we got COVID, we didn't have enough faith or we should get more faith, friends. Otherwise, Paul and Silas were in big trouble because they would have sat there and said, hold on a minute now, I was doing your will. I was following what you called me to. And then now I've got beaten with rods and I've been thrown in jail. So at midnight, I would be studying the scriptures and saying, Lord, give me more faith. Um, I'm feeling a bit down. Yeah, I couldn't have had enough faith. And then also now suddenly the jailhouse opens. Woo! And my faith has risen up great levels. And now woo, I'm going to run out of here and go. Friends, their faith was consistent. It was consistent because it was found in the glory of Jesus Christ, the manifest nature and character of who God is. Friends, it's just consistency, friends. It's not about results. It's about consistently loving God. It's whether the results are in our favor or not. We still stay consistent in loving God and worshiping him in walking this walk, friends. It's, 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 it's a, it's, this is a, a, a belief in a relationship with Jesus Christ, with a person. This isn't a, a, a results-driven kind of contest. Uh, faith is, 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 is not that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how, if I'm saying it, fully right but i pray the holy spirit would help you um just grab hold of staying in faith um don't be shaken by what may go on around you um stay in faith and stay believing because what we've got in our hands friends our question is not to look at what we don't have we shouldn't be asking the question oh boy i got covid so i must not have had enough faith we have to look what we have in our hands, friends. What we have in our hands is simply to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because it's the faith of Jesus that brings about miracles. It's not my faith, friends. I can grow in faith because I yield more. As I yield more to him, I see more of him. For me, I'm growing in faith because I'm seeing more of him. I'm seeing more of his glory. I'm seeing more of his nature. I'm believing in who he is. I'm believing in his love and in, 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 in his nature of who he is. This is who God is. I'm captivated. That's why Paul could say everything else is done. It's just, it's, 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 it's waste compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Because the more I know him, the more I experience and see, taste and see that he's good, that God is good. And as I taste and see that he's good, I have faith. I believe. I stay believing him no matter what my journey, what, I'm, what journey I'm on. Um, it's not shaking or moving me. Um, I, I hope I'm, 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 I'm getting that point strongly across, but I'm not downplaying faith. Um, I'm just getting us to understand what faith is um, and, uh, and how we can walk in it um, in these days, uh, trusting the Lord. So we're having faith 
um, as, I, as I believe in him, in his nature and who he is. It isn't faith like I've got to try harder, do harder, um, do more, because then it's referring back to me. Um, and I want the reason why I'm saying this now is because I want to move into Acts 17, something that Connor was sharing on the Wednesday, and just 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 throw it out there for you. If you go to Acts chapter 17, I'll, I'll lay a quick foundation and then carry on. The foundation we've got here is we understand that Paul is this Pharisee. He's passionate, very passionate about the law. Pharisees were passionate about the law. He's a passionate about God. He loves God. He's very passionate about God. So he's given his whole life. He's surrendered his whole life. He's yielded his whole life to this. This one thing. What's this one thing? This one thing was that God is so good and he's so wonderful and beautiful that um, and, and, and he's perfect and he's righteous and we are sinners and we mess up. And um, so I have got to commit my life now to the law. To, to passionately pursuing the law, fulfilling the law. I'm going to take this yoke of the law upon my shoulders and I'm going to do everything I can to do good, to be good, to do what's right uh, in honoring to God and, to, and, and, and in loving God. And so he commits his life to that. Jesus comes along. Paul hears. He must have heard some of the sermons. He was around at the time. He, he hears some of the things Jesus is saying. He's hearing some of the things that the disciples are saying and he is livid. He is so angry. Why is he so angry? He's so angry, friends, because this is complete opposite word. This is a complete opposite. He, he, he's, he, I mean, Stephen, he's the guy that's standing there consenting to Stephen's death because of what Stephen was sharing. The complete opposite. And Paul needs to be knocked down. Uh, he needs to be blinded um, by, because he knew it was Jesus. Um, in his response on the road to Damascus, I won't go there to Damascus, to Damascus, to Damascus, and um, and 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 Paul encounters Jesus, and now what we do see is we're seeing Paul now sharing the exact opposite that Jesus is the one who has done it all, and uh, and no longer are we under this yoke, but he's saying Jesus said, "Come to me, all you are weary." And heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Suddenly, this is not a heavy law thing now. Suddenly, when I take Jesus' yoke on me, it's so light. Why? Because Jesus is carrying it. Jesus is doing it. Jesus has done it. Um, and and it's 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 a whole different world now of of resting in Him and enjoying being yoked to Him and in co-laboring and working with Him because He's doing it all. Catch this understanding. Now listen to what Paul shares here when he shares the gospel. Um, and uh, I, I pronounce it Areopagus, um, or in Connor's words, Areopagus, or um, <laughs> in, the, in the Areopagus, um, Paul is sharing the gospel and he says this. He says, verse 24, Acts chapter 17, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Maybe I'll just read that quickly. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
Wow. I don't know if you caught that there, but it says that God cannot be served by human hands. Woo. You see, God cannot be served. I'm letting that sink in a little bit for emphasis. I hope you're getting the emphasis on the screen. It's different to love. But God cannot be served. Jesus came in Mark chapter 10. I think it's Mark 10, 45. Um, it says that I did not come to be served. Why, why am I saying this? I'm saying this very carefully because I want us to catch something here that God is trying to explain to us the understanding of why we have faith and what faith is. The righteous live by faith. That's not by believing for my next meal and for this and for that. The righteous lived by an understanding of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. They live by a leaning on, loving, trusting in um, Jesus and in who he is and his nature and in, in his character. But anyway, let me quickly. So, so God cannot be served by human hands. Let's let's keep running with that theme. Um, uh, let me just quickly go to uh, just bounce over a couple of chapters to two Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. It says, "And God is able to make." All grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Wow. So it says God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So even when we work, it's the grace of God that enables us to work. Right? Let me... Let me quickly read to you Romans chapter 4, just quickly. Romans chapter 4, I'll just read um, verse 5. To the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Um, Um, should I read more there maybe to bring context? Let me just read from verse one. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is count accounted as righteousness. Right? So catch this picture very quickly before I move on to um, the next scripture uh, is that everything that we do according to the word of God is done by the grace of God. And we, we don't even work because we're not, it's, otherwise that's not grace. But our works are, are through believing on, in Jesus. Right? So he's not negating works. He's just saying works that are done through believing in Jesus versus the works that are done in our own ability and strength, then we should get paid for them. 
I hope I'm, 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 I'm throwing out things. I'll pull it all together now. So stay with me um, because Paul said this. Maybe I should. Um, should I read? I'll read you something very quickly. Let me because it comes to mind. Two Peter. I'll just read it quickly. Two Peter, chapter three. Let me just read this. Two Peter, chapter three, verses. Um, I'll read from verse uh, fifteen, fifteen and sixteen. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom, wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Thank you, my darling. Um, so what I want to quickly touch here is that Paul shared some very tough stuff. But the Bible, Peter here is saying, Paul, what Paul shared was the wisdom of God. It was straight from God. It was powerful. But it was very tough stuff, hard to understand, not diff, not. Un, impossible to understand, hard to understand. But it says some people, what they do is instead of going and searching the scriptures, instead of gra grappling with these things, instead of allowing them to grip our hearts and to work it out in our lives, what they do, it says here, is um, the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. What happens when you twist scripture, friends? It means that you're not prepared to do the hard thinking and the hard yards, that you twist it now to suit your own thing. So what I'm sharing here this morning might be a bit of a diff challenging scripture, but do the hard yards. Stretch your, your, your mind. Let God work it inside of you. Don't try and twist it to make it fit. Just listen. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful word. If you understand this, if you believe this, it'll change your life. So. Um, I want to quickly also go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, you should know this one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Uh, it simply says this, just as I try to please everyone, everything I do. Uh, uh, no. So, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Woo, I love this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. But these are all just scriptures. I'm pulling them together. Now just jump with me quickly to 1 Peter chapter One Peter chapter four, if you go to verse 10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Wow. So now, Pull all those scriptures together. I'll bring you bring a synopsis, and you can you can chew on it and study it later. But let me bring a quick synopsis. The understanding here is that everything that we do, friends, if we serve God, it's not because we're serving Him like we owe Him and we need to pay Him back. When we serve God, we serve God as 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 people who actually have been given the strength and the ability, the grace of God to do what we're doing. Amen. So you have this, the works that we do, the in, in serving God 
It's actually all Jesus Christ. We do it by faith because what we're doing is we're yielding. Our yes is yielding to him in our lives. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in Christ by faith in the Son of God. So now you can understand that it's actually not us doing it. It's actually him doing it through us. There's a world of difference here if you can just, you can capture it. It's the, it's the life of God now that's inside of me. And my, think, my journey is to believe the finished work of Jesus and then to believe in the future grace of God that divinely is given to me and enabling me to do all that I need to do. Amen. Romans 8, another scripture, Romans 8, verse 32. If you all turn there quickly, I'll just quickly read that. There's another one, Romans 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we preach and we believe in the finished work of the cross. It's the foundation from which everything flows. But friends, he who graciously gave his son, how will he not, will he not now give us all, freely all things? There is the grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. And now there's the grace of God that's working in our lives to everything that we do. So we take no credit. We take no um, um, emphasis that actually we actually are working or doing or serving God because he, he's not a God that can be served with human hands. He wants to operate in and through our lives in serving others. Oh, if you can catch this, it's a yielded. When you're saying yes to God, you're not saying yes to, to now uh, committing to doing this, that, and the other. You're saying yes to Jesus doing through your your life. And the more you yield, friends, that's why if we are, if I can say this too, um, the closer you get to God, the less you can take with you. See, because the closer you get to God, the more God, the less your little part has to diminish, if I can say it like that. It's, you see, if I, can, it can, if I can say it in another way and just encourage us with this. We often, when we talk about doing the things of God, we often talk about we need the power of God. And we certainly do need the power of God. We need the power of God to, to, to um, demonstrate the nature and the character of God to do what God's called us to do. We need the power of God. But it's almost like uh, a tool that we need this power that will help us to do what God's called us to do. But friends, the power of God is not a tool. The power of God, the dunamis of God is a person. His name is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wants to use us as the tool for the dunamis power to move and to flow. If you capture this, God wants us to be captured by his glory and who he is. And our faith is a total believing and a trust in the nature and the character of God and yielding to him using us to do all that he wants to do in and through our lives. Friends, when you realize this, that's why you can rest. 
Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. You're weary and heavy laden because you're burdened with things that you feel that you have to do for the Lord. It's almost as if you, 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 you've, you've got things and you, you're asking the Lord to come and you're applying God to those things, asking him to come and to do those. When he's asking you to come to him, yield to him, just surrender yourself, fall in love with him, let the light of the gospel consume your heart and life. And as he captivates you and as you yield to, to him, he can use you more. You can be his, the tool in his hands, the person in his hands that he can use to serve and to love and to set people free. That's why I'm not the healer. Jehovah Rapha is inside of me. Jesus is the healer. But as I yield to the healer, the healer can operate through my life and allow healing to manifest. And I get the privilege of co-laboring and being a co-partner with healing. Um, I'm, 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 I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to get this across as many different ways as possible. Um, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to go in too many places because I just, I want us to understand that when, when we, what we call to our mandate, Courtney was sharing it as well on Friday night. What are we call to on our mandate is um, we, we, we say it like this, but I've changed it slightly. Um, we, we say um, to, to know God and to make him known. I want to change it slightly and say to be known by God and to make him known. Because to be known by God is vital. You go to Matthew chapter 7, you read some of those verses there uh, where they did this in his name and that in his name. They did great, wonderful, powerful, miracle things. But Jesus said, depart from me, I don't know you. So there is, a, there is a part where we can actually know him, uh, which is a wrong knowing, um, which can, where he, he says, depart from me, I don't know you. So actually, it is important in the knowing. Um, and I'll share quickly now a scripture that will help you with that. But let me just say this. Um, to be known by God is, is, is the ultimate. Um, to worship him, to minister to him, and to minister to others. And if we minister to him, let me say this. As a God who doesn't need to be served with man's hands, a God who's complete in every single way, why does he need us to actually come and to, uh, to serve him or to worship him? Why, why, there is, he doesn't need it. He's, there's no deficiency in any of that. Let me say it like this. God is love. And if God is love, then what does love do? It prefers others to itself so god wants to prefer others to to himself so it is it's to our benefit that we come to him but how is it to our benefit well the bible is very clear that which you worship you become so god loves us so much that he wants us to come worship him he wants us to come worship him because it's to our benefit. Because if we come and worship him, then we become like him. And that's the best thing that could ever happen in our lives is to become like him. So here is God giving us this incredible, crazy opportunity to co-labor with him. But in co-laboring with, with him, it's not about our labor. It's about yielded. It's about giving him a yes. It's about, it's about knowing him. It's about embracing him. It's about learning to come before him and to worship him and get to know him. 
And as we get to know him, we so fall, fall so in love with him that we yield our lives more and more. We believe more and more in him. We trust more and um, we lean on more and more. We love him more. And as we yield and love him, he's able to now flow through our lives in authority and in power. And it's him doing it, not us. And that's why come to me, all you weary and heavy laden. This is not a burden thing. This is a yielding thing. This is taking the burden off you. This is putting the burden on Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Take my burden. It's light. My burden is light. You want to come? I take it all. It's light. You go like, sure, why this? I don't feel like I'm carrying nothing. You're not carrying anything. He's carrying it all. He's carrying you. You are just yielding to him. You're just living in his grace and in his love and in all who he is. And um, and let me I'll let me I'll say two quick things. Let me just say this one thing. Um, you know, if you go to, the, I love the Old Testament and the Old Testament must be seen through the right lenses, but it must be seen. It's the word of God and it must be looked at with, with clear lenses. And uh, when you look at David, um, what happens with David is David uh, decides that he's going to have a census. He's going to go count all his, his soldiers. Uh, and what's rooted, what, what's rooted in that problem? The problem with that is that why you actually went and counted all your, your, Soldiers is because you were trusting in your own army, in your own ability, in your own power. You wanted to see, oh, how many guys? Look what I can, whatever, what can I accomplish in the battle now? I've got these many soldiers. He forgot to realize that all his battles were not by, won by numbers; they were won by by God. So, so um, he was, he got a little bit confused, and then he realized it. And God then tells him, "I love David's heart." He says to him, "You can pick three options." And David says, I don't want to fall into the hands of man. I'd rather fall into the hands of God. So pestilence, hit, pestilence hits. People are all dying. And, uh, and, they're, and they're gonna, now they're gonna, the angel is going to go to Jerusalem. And God says, well, and they stop at, I'm, I'm butchering this word. It's a Hebrew word, Arona, uh, the Jebusite's house, uh, at his threshing floor. But at, at, it stops at his threshing floor. And then God says, build me an altar. And David goes there and Arona sees David, the king coming with all his entourage. And he says, oh, king, you can take whatever you want. You can have my threshing floor. You can have my oxen and, and everything for the, for the sacrifice. And, and David says something very powerful uh, to Samuel 24. I think it's verse 24. It's also in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1. You can go read it there as well. It's an unpacking of the same uh, event that happens. But David says, I will not give God something that does not cost me. And that, friends, can be the motto of your life. Jesus has done it all. It's a finished work. I cannot serve him with these hands because he doesn't need to be served. Friends, but I will not give him something less than he deserves. And that doesn't cost me. And all you can give him, friends, is your yes. It's your life. You surrender and you give him your all. And he will take your yes. And he will allow you to experience the wonders and the glory of him. And Isaiah 60 says, arise, shine, for your light has come. There's no other light coming. Jesus has come. He's your light. You need to arise and shine. You need to rise up, stand up, position yourself and surrender and give your yes to God. And then it goes on to say, 
that, and then he will bring his glory. Rise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You arise and you stand there and then God's glory will arise upon you. Friends, and when God's glory is, rises upon you, you have the privilege of partnering with his glory, with who he is. We just allow him now, his glory to work through us where we reach out our hands and people get healed. But the mandate, friends, is faith in who he is, not in believing for results. I'm not the one who is the results giver. He's the one who leads us in the things that we call to. We just call to stay in faith, to stay in love with him, stay believing. It doesn't wobble me. He's the one who turns everything for good. Amen. And let me end with a little scripture because it comes to mind. So just in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, let's just go there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a scripture about um, food. I've been, I've been in 1 Corinthians um, the last couple of weeks, just reading the whole book over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, is, it's about food offered to idols. Uh, and if you want a very quick picture here, um, and I've landed, I'm landing with this, so don't, don't lose what I'm saying here. But, but catch this as well. It's very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it relates to food that's been offered to idols. So what happens is uh, in Corinthians, right, there's a whole bunch of gods and people offer their, it's meat because what the, the pagans believed at that time is that meat, uh, the demons inhabited meat. Um, it's just what vegans believe now. No, no, it's not. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, they, they believe that, that, that meat was inhabited by demons. So what it was, they offered it to their idols who would, who would chase away the demons and, and, and they would fill it. So if they ate meat, they would eat from the idols rather than the demons, right? Um, so now you've got a bunch of believers who got born again and uh, now they have to go to marketplaces where they have to buy this meat that's been offered to idols. And um, and uh, the question being asked was, hold on a minute, like, um, can we eat this meat? Can we eat it in front of other believers? Um, can we eat it in front of God? So it was a matter not just of, of between God and them, but also between between them and other believers, right? And uh, these guys found out that there are really no other gods. All the idols are just garbage. There's only one God. It's Jesus. Um, and, um, and so they've surrendered their life and they found this out. So having found this out, let's read, read what it says here. It says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge, right? So they know that, ha, huh, we, idols, it's rubbish. We don't, I can eat meat offered to idols because it, uh, it's been sanctified by Jesus Christ. I love meat. I'm going to eat my, my meat now. But it goes on to say this, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. There's a knowledge that puffs up, and the, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Let me give you this in a nutshell. They got some knowledge. The knowledge was correct. The knowledge was true. And the truth was that they could eat meat from idols. So between them and God, all good. No problem with that. But it's not just about them and God. Now these guys are saying, it's no problem. I'll just eat the meat. There's other believers around, weaker believers, believers that were still journeying through this. They spent their whole life offering 
meat to idols and 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 following a practice of 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 meat with idols uh, worship. And now they weren't sure about this, and these guys were saying, "Ah, don't be stupid. Just eat the meat. It's all fine." You see, there's a knowledge that puffs up. So they had this knowledge, and whoo, I know. And he goes on to say, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Friends, we are, we'll never get to a place where I know everything. Friends, if, no matter how much we study the Word of God, I'm not here to impress you with my wisdom or my knowledge of the Word of God because I know nothing. And I will always be in that place of humility. No matter how much I learn, I will always know nothing. I yield to the one who knows all. I yield to the spirit of wisdom. And so, friends, I'll never, I never want to let the Word of God puff me up to think, oh, well, I've got a revelation now. I know. And I never want us to think we've got a revelation as a church. It's all about going to the nations or this, that, and the other. That puffs us up. And we've got it. Other churches haven't got it yet. You know, they're still catching us up. That's just not the Bible. It's not Jesus. Uh, if I'm like that, then I don't know as I ought to know. But the reality is, friends, what I do know is that love builds up. And what Jesus is saying here, it's not so much about uh, you knowing a bunch of stuff. It's about you loving people. People are more important here than anything else. And it's for us to build them up. So if I've got a journey to help and love people, friends, by just um, being careful how what I eat in front of others and maybe just uh, going slowly and helping them, friends, then I can build them up and strengthen them in the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you here, what this is really saying to us, and I've got many other scriptures, but I want to land, as I don't want to lose the emphasis of what I've just shared. But I want to say that our motivation is to love God and to love others. And, and to love them well, friends, is to be yielded to God, not to be puffed up with stuff that I know. I'm not trying to regurgitate a message. I'm trying to let the message the person of Christ be released and operate through my life so that I can build people up. I want a life, friends, I want a life that's yielded to Jesus so that he can be all he's called to be through my life. I don't need to get better. I need to yield to the great and awesome one. His name is Jesus and let him flow through my life in power. And that's what we're called to do. As the people of God, we're called to love people. Friends, And we have such a passion for the 1040 window. We have just as much a passion for the people that are in our community and that surround us. And man, we can't, as an eldership, do it all. I can't create things and, and jobs and, 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 and ministries and things for people. Um, uh, and you can't piggyback off my passion or Connor's passion or, or, or Jane's passion or, or Jessica's passion. But... My encouragement this morning is fall in love with Jesus and run to him and give your life for the rest of your life. If you would get to know him and to serve him and to love him in your worship and in your passion and in your yieldedness, you will experience the greatest transformation that this world has ever seen, that God can take this frail vessel, this simple vessel, this faulty vessel, the sinful vessel, and can use this vessel and display and shine the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God and the dunamis of God can use this vessel and flow through it. And then I would be given the opportunity to partner with God and see signs, wonders, and miracles is awesome. 
So what are we about? We're about loving him, worshiping him. We're about yielding. We've given him our yes. And our yes, friends, isn't this huge, um, costly serving and works that I've now got to do and, and, and laying my life down. Can I encourage you and say, if you're born again, you laid your life down. That's gone. Bye-bye. You no longer are that live. Now it's simply a yielding to Jesus. It's a, it costs you everything. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. It's a yielding of everything. I won't give him. He's worth it. I've seen the glory of Jesus Christ in the gospel. I've seen what he's done and he's worthy of my every single thing, friends. And as I yield my life and he begins to operate through my life, you don't have to worry about sin. You don't have to worry about trying to overcome uh, 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 things in your life and sin in your life. When you yield and he begins to operate, there's no time for anything else. There's no other river except the river of God. And you just begin to yield to that and you stay in his presence and you let his presence do everything through you. It's a crazy statement, but wrestle with it today. God is not a God that he needs to be served by man's hands. He wants to serve you and through you as you yield to him. May the Lord, by his grace and his mercy and by his Holy Spirit, give us a revelation and understanding of this because it will empower us. We will change the world around us. And that's what they said in Acts 17. These guys have come to us. They're turning the world upside down. Man, when you realize this, you can turn your world upside down, which is actually the right way up in Jesus Christ. Woo! I hope I'm able to deliver this as best I could. Uh, I passionately love you guys. I want to say that categorically. Um, all that God is doing and wanting to do, friends, it's not, it's not about you upping your game. It's about you letting go of your game. And about you just listening and yielding and saying yes to him and just being obedient. The one thing that we have in our hands is not how much faith we have. One thing we have in our hands is simple obedience. Just simply say yes and let him do the rest in Jesus' name.